koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Had a few days off. And um, one was to attend the uh, prayer conference with Bridge Builders International over in Mesa uh, on Friday. That was phenomenal and uh, really enjoyed the teaching and the worship. It's always uh, wonderful to gather with other believers for that in a larger-than-church form, meaning, you know, you go to your church— but it is there's something special about joining with other churches too, uh, and, and it's it's just it's just a real blessing, and of course, uh, being able to do that with your spouse I think is even more uh, gratifying. Just knowing that you're you know you you kind of are walking as one in prayer things like that. Uh, the reason I was off yesterday was uh, you know about my thousand mile challenge. Uh, doing walking a thousand miles this year, and I, it's only by God's grace because it's not going to happen without that, and His divine intervention. As if if uh, Sunday's any indication, uh, hiking for a thousand, uh, hundred uh, miles and biking for two hundred and fifty. And if you want to follow my progress along, I haven't updated yet uh, over on Tom Brown AZ. Regardless of your uh, your social media, you did see lots of photos on uh, Instagram and Twitter and whatnot, Facebook, on Sunday, mostly at the beginning of the race. Now, the reason you didn't see a lot of stuff at the end of the race, because I was ended. I mean, it was brutal. I, You know I have had some health issues, not done a lot of training. Number eight was the worst of these. It was really, really brutal. But by His grace finished next day, not too bad. But that's why I took Monday off, because I knew it wasn't going to be pretty. And as it turns out, um, I actually went for a little, uh, I went for a walk early Monday morning. And I had always thought these runner people that, you know, do this a lot were crazy. Because they would say, oh, well, you know, I I went for a two-mile run, you know, that evening or something the next morning, and I just, I did it. I went out, and it worked. It was much better. I feel better. I'm still sore today. Don't get me wrong. But I felt a lot better. Mary, too. So if you'd like to follow along, if you'd like to join me, I mean, you know, the body is the temple, right? And a sin is sin. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but it's very easy, especially on social media, to to point out where people are off in your opinion or that you disagree with and calling things sin that are sin. But let's not forget that we all need a Savior. We all, all (laughs) need new mercies every day, and I am in that number. But 1,000 miles run slash walk in 2016, I'm on my way. I think I'm, well... My goal for January is just to get 50 because of the health thing. And I think I, I think I can get to 50. It's going to be close. Going to do the 200-mile relay. My wife has decided she's going to join me on the team 
next month. That's going to be exciting. Pro-life events this week. There are a plenty. I hope you'll make sure that you're a part of at least one of them. I would really love you to join us for the Life March and Rally Friday. You can get all the details at azliferally.org. That's azliferally.org. I'll be the MC uh, launching the march and then the rally after at Wesley Boland Plaza. Join us this Friday as we make in memorial the 43rd anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360. KPXQ. That. Yeah, that must mean it's time for Missions Possible. Jim, I have to say that when you were telling me (laughs) the escapades of your last mission trip, this song was literally going through my head. <laughs> the longer you were talking about everything, I, I wish I could be Tom Cruise. Go, go ahead and pull that up. I wish I could be Tom Cruise and, uh, you know, hang out the door of an airline and just say, get me, take me home, take me country there. roads. My goodness. Wow. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, uh, about that, but I just want to thank you. When I was in Israel with my mom uh, this last October, uh, you and your team filled in, uh, did a great job, and well, thank you. Uh, the the listeners got to hear you a couple of times. I think we played on a weekend best of, you know, and that kind of thing. So, did you have a good time? Yeah, in? yeah. Thank you for allowing me to do it. You know, I I love it. I uh, love it, man. You, you and I have the same response to a microphone. Yeah, I, I like it. I <laughs> like it very much. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, but tell us a little bit about your uh, what you got is have you. Uh, with your background, for those that haven't uh, listened to you here on the program before, um, we met when you were doing a radio show here, and mm-hmm. I, gosh, I don't even know what role I had. Who knows? It's been so. I've had every job imaginable here. Well, at the you station, told me you so. were Mr. KPXQ at the well, time, but yeah, I, well, yeah. see now it's that it's <laughs> it's not just Mr. KPXQ. It's all Tom all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So>. Tom twenty four seven at KPXQ. That's not true. But anyway, uh, we met, and you. Uh, but when I really met you, really truly, is your church, Mesa Baptist Church, at the time had the uh, Harvest Fest. Yeah. And I came out there and I did a live broadcast yeah. from the lobby of the church. Yeah, we had fun. That was awesome. I think we had just built that new ministry center. And and I just, it was one of those things where, you know, this reminds me of home. Yeah. You know, that's how I felt when I went out there. It's just like, yes, this is, this is like where I grew up. Well, it was cool because, you know, that when you talk to people who have the same heartbeat that you do, um, there's, it's, it's the, somebody called the linking of the spirit of God, you know, yeah. that. But your passion for mission, your passion for prayer, your passion for the Word of God, your passion for God's people, it was just like, Tom's, Tom's one of my homies, yeah, man. Which, which, you know? There's something, you do a much better Elvis than I do. Well, thank you. You know, but, uh, and you sing better than I, all those things you're better at. Than I am. Yeah, but you run better than I do. Tom. Well, I don't know about that. I, I can I can walk for the. I, you know what? Unless you can go a long, long way, I'm going to catch you. Yeah, exactly. Because when you stop, 
I'm still <laughs> you're still one lower. after uh, one lady uh, that we were we were walking. You know, the half marathons, thirteen point one miles, and uh, there were the conversations that you hear. Uh, one lady says, "I call myself a race turtle." I'm thinking. <laughs> I can use that. There you um, go. But of course, maybe I'm a race slug, yeah, but maybe one day I'll be a race turtle. It's just Lord, it's just Lord, give me a good, give me a good backwind, Lord. That's right. Coming down off of Papago, man, exactly. I, was, I got up to almost four miles an hour. <laughs> it was stopping. It was a problem, though, wasn't it? That's right. Making that right hand turn at the bottom. Um, you have moved into missions several years ago, and I just. It, I just kind of saw you light up, you know, with the whole process of making that transition. I know it was interesting, obviously, for you when, you know, you think God's called you to do this, and then the next thing you know, God's calling you to do something different. You're like, what's going on? But I, I've just seen you light up with this uh, work that you've been doing. So give us a little bit of a background of uh, the group you work for, and then let's talk missions. Okay. Well, I I did serve as a a lead pastor for 20 years. I was a socio pastor <laughs> for, uh, I don't I gotta know. I remember that. That's, a, that's another good one. 10 other years. Yeah. You're, uh, I'm going to put that in my e-blast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Pastors and socio pastors. Yeah. Hello, I'm a socio pastor. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, I served for, uh, 20 years, 16 years at Mesa Baptist, which is just a, a great ministry. We praise God for the people at Mesa and, and, uh, for the, you know, the dear brothers and sisters that uh, we still continue relationship with. But uh, uh, eight years ago, in fact, eight years ago, wow. February, um, we were called uh, Paul Madsen, a, a co-student uh, with me at uh, then Southwestern College, now Arizona, uh, Arizona Christian University. I had begun a ministry called Global Training Network. And um, actually, my wife and I had voiced this vision mm. of training and equipping indigenous pastors prior to meeting Paul and Lisa, and uh, but there was no mission organization that was doing it. We we didn't know of anyone at the time, you know, nine years ago, who was intentionally and strategically training and equipping indigenous leaders. And then God miraculously, you know, how he does, he's, he's the ultimate networker, uh, got us together, reacquainted with Paul and Lisa. And we're invited to join Global Training Network, and we've been with them ever since. Mm. Uh, Global Training Network is a faith-supported ministry. We have many partners, you know, here and around who who support us, partner with us. We couldn't do that ministry without prayer and support of God's people. And uh, we we go to different parts of the world. Uh, I'm ministering now in about six countries. But training and equipping and encouraging indigenous leaders— so they can in turn reach their own people with the good news of Jesus. Mm. Um, it's estimated, this is quite a statistic, uh, John Stop Ministries state that um, 75% of the Christians in the world um, live in the majority world. 80% of their leaders have a grand total of six minutes of theological training. Mm. So that's our heart burden to present every man mature, as the Apostle Paul yeah. called us to. And Second uh, Timothy 2, 2, to, to the things you've entrusted in me, Paul says to Tim, hey, entrust to others who yeah. can train others also. Yeah. So that's what our call is. And I just returned from the country of Ukraine in Eastern Europe. Uh, I, you 
mentioned John Stott, Langham Partnership, we actually did a, a month-long fundraiser for them in October. And it's fascinating to me, the commitment level, because I got to hear some of the, the stories of pastors that they would think I'm a theologian based right. on the exposure I've had to the gospel. Right. And they're leading hundreds of people, and they're so hungry to know more. Right. And that's so exciting. And when you get a chance to go in and work with pastors, and from what I've heard from you and from others, the parishioners, the people that they're pastoring, are so excited for you to be there as well because they see how much better, or not better, but uh, how much more their pastor is able to share what sure. you guys have been there. Well, it's a it's it's the ministry of the body of Christ. You know, uh, we've had people. It's it's common when we leave, they'll stand in a line and greet us and hug us. Wow. And, Tears coming down their face saying, please don't forget us. Well, that didn't happen. You know? As wonderful as Mesa was, that probably didn't happen every Sunday. No. <laughs> Just <laughs> saying. Some people had a roast pastor, you know what I'm saying, for lunch, all right? So, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it is a real blessing and encouragement. And uh, this year, uh, you know, there's Ukraine just returned from Indonesia. We have a new possibility in Colombia. Um, then back again to Indonesia, uh, as well as Argentina, and then Rwanda. So, um, you know, the the year is full, and the opportunities abound to train and equip equip leaders. Now, my training, or our training, is is primarily in three areas. There's the heart, the hands, and the head. You know, the, mm. the heart is the inner life of the pastor. And believe me, no matter where you're at, people's hearts are the same. Yep. Uh, their hurts are the same, and pastors oftentimes, you know, in Indonesia, they're working two or three jobs, and they're pastoring, and their wives are going, where's my husband? And the kids are going, what happened to dad? And, you know, so we minister to their hearts, mm. as well as their heads, theological training, as well as their hands, ministry skills, how to, mm-hmm. you know, how do we do this thing called ministry? And that's just skill training, it, absent from the the power and ministry of the Spirit of God, uh, we're, we're, we're nothing. Amen. I mean, yeah. so it's, it's, but we do need, as the scripture tells us, to study to show ourselves approved in a God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, who can rightly do what? Divide the, the truth. truth. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. And the hunger though, isn't that, isn't that something that's an encouragement for you personally? Isn't that what makes your, you know, 22 hour, uh, plain extravaganzas, for lack of a a truer term, uh, that you go through. That's really what ultimately drives you to go back. I'll tell you what what drives is the the relationships that are built, because we just don't go into a shotgun Mm -hmm. and say, later, God bless, we'll see See you when Jesus returns. You know, we'll come back. I've been I've been ministering in Ukraine now for eight years and seeing this young church develop and leadership grow and so forth. And then going through the difficulties of ministry as well as the wonderful times of ministry. Mm -hmm. And I'll be going back to, to Indonesia where I've been working, training with church planners and pastors, by the way, is the largest Muslim country in the world or the most open uh, country in the world. And uh, yet you need to be somewhat secretive. Yeah. You you know, in your, 
Where's that music again? Yeah. So it's it's you know being wise. Jesus said, "Be be harmless as doves, as wise as serpents," and and we need to have wisdom as we're going about because the world is not getting safe. Right. You know, the only time the world would be safe is when Jesus is on the throne in Jerusalem. You know, so and I'm looking forward. And it's only going to be safe for those that have called Him Lord. Yeah, exactly. If I could add there too. Exactly. So, uh, it, I am just delighted to hear your stories. Uh, yes, I get to pray for you because I follow you on Facebook, and I know when you're leaning out, and I have the uh, the distinct honor of seeing it. And you and I, you know, I, I'm an early riser, so I, I get to send you some text at yeah. O Dark Thirty and yeah. let you know I'm thinking of you and and things of like that. How how important it is is it to have uh, support people here? Stateside. Oh, I mean, Tom. We, it's when I ask people to pray for me or pray for our ministry or pray for our team, I'm just not blowing smoke, man. I, without prayer, we are powerless. More prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. All prayer, all power. That's good. So, we need partners and continue to need partners and all levels. We're going to talk a little bit about that when we return. This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. And we're doing a little thing that uh, we've called for a few years, Missions Possible. Yeah, right on. Jim Ball, thanks. Yeah, Mission's Possible, we're going to do this more regularly. Uh, you're out and about around the world, but we're still going to fit it in. Uh, Jim Baugh, Mission's Possible, we're talking about uh, true worldwide missions. Let's not forget, though, that you have a mission field right in your own backyard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I don't want anybody coming away thinking, well, gosh, you know, that's all wonderful and great, but how about, you know, downtown Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's why it's a calling. That's why uh, God e- equips the called, doesn't necessarily call the equipped. And you need to be in constant conversation with the Lord to know what he's calling you to do. Exactly. And Jesus still speaks. I mean, people say, no, the only place Jesus speaks is his word. Yeah, he speaks in his mm-hmm. word. But he also speaks to us. He's the living Word of God, and he speaks to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. New mercies every day. Why? Because he knew we were going to need them. Yeah. Amen. So it was John Wesley who said, whatever the Spirit speaks to me must with the Word of God agree. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the Lord, (laughs) there's that that joke, the little girl coming home from Sunday school, Mommy, Mommy, I I know God's name. What? God's name is Andy. What are you talking about? Well, we sang that song, Andy Walks, walks with, with Me, me and He and Talks with me. with me. And, you know, That's God's good. name isn't Andy. It's, it's Jesus. And, uh, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, um, not three gods, one God revealed in three divine essences. We want to talk theology, but uh, God is ever-present for us. Mm-hmm. And He said, I'd never leave you or forsake you. And somebody said, I can't wait 
to get to heaven so I can get close to Jesus. And really, heaven and Jesus are are equal. Yeah. You know, to be in heaven is to be with Jesus, to be with Jesus, to be in heaven. And if we walk with Jesus today, we can taste and touch and yeah. feel the difference is the joy of it's, heaven. Is eternity, and we will be unencumbered. Exactly. That's the only difference. There you go. That's right. That's good. That's good. It's not, uh, it didn't uh, go without notice that you and your friend that started this Southwestern College, they used to have an incredible missions focus in their education. You know, the great education, but they also had a missions focus uh, requirement to go do mission work. Right. I, I think that's important. Uh, not everybody that went to Southwestern became missionaries, but everybody knew what missions meant. Right. And I, I think as Christians, especially Christian parents, you need to give your kids opportunity. Uh, and one of the ways that I, you know, I'm not a parent, but the one of the ways that I can think of is by, I don't want to say adopting necessarily missionaries, but being involved in a way that you can be a prayer partner, because I do see a lot just by being on your prayer team. Yeah. Well, I think adopting a missionary is a, is a great thing to do for a family and say, hey, let's pray for him, you know, once a week or whatever it may be and and keep up with them. I think one of the great things in missionary ministry today is we have the internet and we have texting and we mm-hmm. have Twitter or whatever you want to, you know, you want to tweet some mission stuff. But um, my the things that I, I thought of when God called us into this specific area of ministry was I want to do a, a good job in communicating with those in partnership with us. Um, many times as pastor, uh, we'd hear from missionaries like once a quarter or something. I'm like, wait a right. minute. You know, if I had an employee and I heard from him once a quarter, <laughs> I'd be wondering what's going on. So um, our passion is to communicate regularly without being bothersome, you know, uh, every day, you don't want to have something in your email account from me. But um, when we go on a trip, we send an email. When we're on the field, we send an email or uh, often text messages as well saying, hey, pray for us because we're going to be working with 50 pastors now or whatever it may be. Right. So, um, I, Tom, partnership in ministry is key. And, and Southwestern College, Arizona Christian University— uh, through the ministry of Steve and Marilyn Sonmore, who are head of our missions department, greatly affected numerous lives for the for the cause of Christ in the world today. Uh, Terry Dalrymple and the Che Network, you know, he was uh, served with me on the Student Missions Commission, you know, there, and and Paul Madsen, who who started Global Training Network, and his brother Joel, who's a vice president of our organization. Uh, I serve as ministry partner, development director, but uh, all of us had that that missions, biblical missions worldview mm-hmm. uh, become a part of our life. The fact that when I was a junior in college, um, I, I really, it was an undeniable call of the Lord that mm-hmm. I would take a team to Belize, Central America. And uh, I was type 1 diabetic, and that was just not the smartest thing to do. I'll never forget, I went to my dad, I go, hey, dad, uh, God's calling me to Belize, Central America, <laughs> missions. He said, say what? I think I think God called, but you got the wrong number, you know. 
and you're diabetic, you'll die in the jungles. And I just continued to pray about it. Finally, I went and I said, Dad, God is calling me to lead this team. He goes, mm-hmm. all right. And, uh, you know, my parents have been so supportive in prayer. My mom's 84 years old. Dad's in heaven now. But uh, their passion for missions as well um, is there. But God is working around the world, and partnerships are needed, prayer partnerships, financial partnerships. Sometimes people say, man, I would love to go, and I would love to take you. I'd love to put you in my suitcase and go over there and see what God is doing. Mm -hmm. But many times that's not possible. But I can take you. I can take you with a gift of $20 just to help us. And people say, I I don't have much. Uh, $20 is like a meal at McDonald's, and you could invest that. I'm not trying to use the guilt deal, but you can invest it in missions. It doesn't have to be our mission ministry, but missions at church, a specific missionary that you can get into their lives, love them, you know, be partnership in a partnership with them. And according to Scripture, all right, First uh, Samuel 30, as well as other passages in book Gospel of Matthew, I'm reading it, that the, the friend of the prophet gets equal reward as the prophet. Mm. Uh, David's, you know, men, they, yeah. they went after the guys who, who took their families and so forth, and some guys stayed home to watch the bags, and the other guys went to fight the battle, came home. David separated the, the reward to all of them. They go, hey, wait a minute. Some of us went to battle, and these guys only stay with the bags. And David said, the guys who stay with the bags get equal reward as the ones who go to battle. Mm-hmm. And so I want to encourage your listeners that, man, support, partner, pray, do what you can do in this great call, this mission call of God uh, that he's given to his church. We've got about three or four minutes before we're uh, out of time. Time has gone so so fast. So quickly. Uh, Tell me a story or two. Well, it was wonderful in Ukraine. You know, Ukraine has been embattled by the Russian separatists on the eastern side, Donetsk, and over 3,000, 3,500 people. I try not to think of headlines when I'm praying for you. Yeah. Well, uh, actively, I, I, I kind of have to shut that out. Yeah, I, See, wasn't, I, wasn't in Eastern, I wasn't in Eastern Ukraine. I but was, I still, it's just, you yeah, know, God's the, in control. I, that, that's not for my worry. Yeah, right? well, we could go down to Phoenix, you know, and get hit by a bus. <laughs> you know what I mean? True, so true. The, the safest place to be is with Jesus, yeah, right? right? So anyways, um, these dear refugees had come to this training conference and at the end of it, this woman stood up. She's like 60 years old. I mean, had a mink coat on that looked like it came right off the rack. It probably would not be a fan of PETA listeners right. or PETA friends out here. But she has this beautiful coat. But that's all she had, Tom. That's all she had. Her home was destroyed. Everything she had was destroyed. And this dear church in Odessa took her in. The, the church leadership that I've been the privilege of working with and equipping and training. And she she stood up there before all these people and said, I thank God so much for this time, this conference. Well, I have been brought, and her background is Russian Orthodox, I have been brought into a deeper walk and understanding of grace mm. and and walk with my Lord Jesus. And wow. And I'm just like... Take me home, Lord. That's yes. I can see the gates of glory. You know, I mean, it, I, I was so excited about that testimony. That was uh, that was just beautiful. Yeah, you got another ninety seconds. You got another one. Well, um, let me tell you, Revelation five and Revelation seven are what get me up in the morning and keep me going. That's the passage that says 
that one day that every tribe, every ethnos, every mm-hmm. ethnic group will be standing before the, the Lamb of God singing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And I want to encourage people today, when they hear the terrorists, this, that, and the other thing, the only reason why terrorism is growing today is because the movement of the power of God is upon this planet until the Lord Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. And would we rather back up and say, oh, oh no, we, we don't want God to be transforming lives because we don't want the problems that that incurs. Mm-hmm. I'd say, let's not back up. Let's not shut up. Let's stand up and speak up until Jesus comes back. And it is key to understand that, uh, you know, run the race until it is finished. You know, obviously, there's a big banner at the end and people yelling and screaming, taking your picture and at the finish line of the rock and roll half marathon on Sunday. Our, Our life in Christ isn't like that. At the end of our race, we step into the glory. Right on. Right it, it, it's we don't know where the finish line is. I can't see it from, you know, across the bridge. I just know that I'm supposed to keep going, yeah, in His glory, for His glory, until it's done. The destination is secure. There is a race that's never won, and that's the race that's never run. Yeah. So let's run the race. I'd like people to get in contact with me. I've just made a, a brand new CD, Tom. Brand new music CD. <laughs> It's called Because He Lives. I don't know where I got that title. Yeah, it seemed... Yeah, I just, it just came to my mind. But anyways, I'm wondering if I've heard that song before. <laughs> I hope Gaither's not listening, all right? So, but you <laughs> know Bill's been on here, right? And I talked about that very song. <laughs> well, Because He Lives. And uh, uh, if folks would like to join our prayer team, they're listening today, uh, they can write me an email, jimbaugh at globaltrainingnetwork.org. Jim, J-I-M-B-A-U-G-H, at globaltrainingnetwork.org. Send me an email today or tomorrow, whenever. I'll send you a CD absolutely free for being a prayer partner on our ministry team. That's pretty awesome, truly. And uh, where's mine? Oh, I'll bring it. I'm just saying. (laughs) I, I, I'm right here. I'll, it's, did did it's, we not it, break bread today? It's in the mail. We we broke bread. We're in here. I, I don't see my CD. It's in the mail, brother love. Just believe me. Jim Bob, Missions Possible here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This is Koinonia. And uh, we're going to be talking to Alliance Defending Freedom up next as we continue the discussion on KPXQ. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us here on Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Tom Brown, and we're going to try to set this time aside every week for Alliance Defending Freedom. Now, you can hear their program every weekend, the podcast, Freedom Matters. Uh, And the reason that they're going to be on this program and that they are doing a program is because these issues matter. These issues are important to 
the body of Christ. And uh, I want you to be as informed as you just heard Jim Baugh talking about the importance of prayer with missions. Prayer is important with political issues, with court issues, with legal, all of this, you know, we serve a multifaceted God, and we need to be aware. And you may be called to a particular area of prayer of, you know, the legal court cases. This is the place you can always be informed. Uh, From Alliance Defending Freedom, Eric Stanley is joining us on Koinonia today. Eric, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, real quickly, just uh, give me a, a quick bio, uh, your background, and, and uh, how God has you fighting this battle uh, at this point in your life. Sure. Yeah, well, I've been doing religious liberties litigation for a little bit over 15 years now. Uh, started right out of law school, felt called to this uh, as really a mission uh, to protect religious freedom and the sanctity of life and, and marriage and the family. And been blessed to work with a couple of organizations and been working with Alliance Defending Freedom for over eight years now. And I head up uh, the Center for Christian Ministries here at ADF. And basically, it's just a team of attorneys uh, and staff, and we're def- we are totally focused on making sure that the church uh, is protected and all of its ministries are protected, uh, and that in that, it has the ability to proclaim the gospel widely and freely um, and is not censored. And so we've been focusing on that uh, for the last several years. So I get the great privilege of representing a lot of churches, a lot of pastors across the country, uh, and really to make sure that their free exercise of religion is protected, that the government is not censoring or stopping the proclamation of the gospel. Now, does pulpit freedom fall under your uh, purview there at the ADF? It sure does, and yes, that's something we've been focused on, uh, and I've been leading that effort uh, since the very beginning in 2008 uh, to protect the right of a pastor to speak freely during a sermon. And, and it's um, it's, a, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, you can real well. We'll get into more details as we promote that specifically, but uh, because of who I follow on social media, I can always tell when something happens because there's a few key people. Uh, we'll start uh, tweeting and uh, Facebooking and all that. Boy, we had uh, a pleasant surprise uh, with the, who, what the Supreme Court is going to be dealing with uh, in in recent days. But uh, tell me yeah. about the Trinity Lutheran Church case in the Supreme Court. Well, this was a pleasant surprise. This was an ADF case that we've been litigating for the last couple of years uh, in representing Trinity Lutheran Church in Columbia, Missouri. And the Supreme Court, uh, just on Friday, uh, agreed to take up this case. And uh, it, it is, it's going to be one of, I think, the sleeper cases in the Supreme Court term, uh, but it will have very broad implications for religious freedom of churches and religious organizations. So in a nutshell, in 2012, Trinity Lutheran has a daycare and a preschool that they operate and they run out of their church. And they decided they wanted to try to find a way to resurface their playground for the children. And the playground had pea gravel surfacing, and it was hard on the kids when they fell and kept migrating away from the slides and everything. So they found a a state grant program that would allow for the state to give up to $20,000 to fund uh, a pour-in-place rubber surface on the playground. Mm -hmm. And the the rubber surface was made out of recycled tires, and it was really the state's attempt to kind of remove the, the tires from landfills and all of that. 
So Trinity Lutheran applied for a grant to resurface their playground with this pour-in-place rubber surface. Uh, there were 44 grant applications that year. Uh, Trinity Lutherans was were ranked number five out of all of the applications that were submitted. There were 14 grants that were given, but Trinity Lutheran was not given a grant. They were denied, and the reason they were denied was because the state said that they were a church and they could not participate in the grant program because of a state constitutional provision that said you, the state should not give aid to any church at all. And so essentially what the state did was said, because of your identity as a church, you cannot participate in equal terms with this grant program, uh, even though Trinity Lutheran scored much higher than other people did. Uh, and really what this boils down to, it's basically religious discrimination. It's, it is discrimination on the basis of the identity of the church. And the court's decision is going to have broad ramifications to answer the basic principle of can churches be prohibited from participating in neutral government programs? Uh, and, you know, if if the the reasoning of the, case, of the court in the Trinity Lutheran case, which we lost at the Eighth Circuit, if that reasoning were to go forward, uh, the state of Missouri has even admitted that, well, that might, per, you know, prohibit churches from participating in fire protection or police protection, because those are neutral government programs. And if we're not supposed to provide any aid to a church, then we could even do that. Wow. Uh, and it's, so it's going to have broad ramifications as to how far the state can go in disadvantaging churches just because they're a church. And do they have to accept churches on equal terms with everybody else? That's the first time the court has looked at this issue since 2004, uh, and it'll be a big issue. Eric, this kind of thing is important, not just because of this case alone, and I want you to kind of reiterate, uh, and then I also want to have a little bit of a nuts and bolts discussion, but uh, the one of the primary reasons this is so important is because of the president, right? I mean, and and let's make that blatantly clear uh, to the listening audience that it's, it's more, uh, you know, people here in Phoenix could be affected by this decision. Well, that's right. And I think that, it, you know, their broad context, if you think about any type of a, of a, uh, a government program or, or a government issue where people of faith and religious organizations or churches want to participate, uh, then this will have implications. And, and even, you know, one of the biggest kind of hot-button issues that this will have implications for is school choice. Uh, because, you know, there's many battles over school choice, and can, uh, can religious schools, can Christian schools participate in a school choice program such as vouchers or something, tax credits or something like that? Can religious or Christian schools participate to the same extent as secular private schools? And this will have an implication on that issue. Um, it really will, any time that the, the, you know, a church wants to participate in any kind of government program at all, uh, it will have an impact. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the uh, uh, Bush administration was in, they had an entire department that uh, would actually work with uh, faith-based organizations for getting grants and things of that nature. Not really That's been right. the case in the last seven plus years. Yeah, it's been a tough row for uh, a lot of these, t- a lot of the organizations who participated in the faith-based initiatives. But you know, this will have an impact on that as well. So you, know, you can think of prison ministries, you can think of food banks. Um, you know, all kinds of contexts where all that we're really asking is that if you're a church, you should not be discriminated against. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be disadvantaged solely because of your identity as a person of faith, as, as a Christian. 
Um, and that's what happened with Trinity Lutheran. You know, they scored higher than most of the other grant applicants, but they said, well, solely because you're a church, because your daycare is run by a church, you're disqualified from that. And that was never what the Constitution was intended to do. It was intended to do the exact opposite, which is to protect churches from this type of discrimination. You know, the government should be neutral when it comes to looking at churches and religion. Uh, and, and in this case, we're talking about a scrap tire rubber surface for a playground. You know, there's, we're not talking about the state buying Bibles or, right. you know, funding uh, pastors preaching in the pulpit. We're talking about participation in a neutral program that's intended to reduce the amount of tires and landfills and is intended to protect children as they play on a playground. And, and churches have as much right to be a part of that as anybody else does. I'm actually old enough to remember when communities valued churches being there because of what they brought to the community. They're still there serving in the community. I know several of our uh, churches here in Phoenix are, you know, kind of have adopted, uh, you know, junior highs and high schools, just coming over and helping in any way they can. There is a value to uh, these faith-based organizations in the community. Well, there is, and and I think you're right, Tom. You know, I I was I'm old enough to know that too. That it used to be the church was the center of community, uh, that it was viewed as a vital part of society, as an essential part of society, um, and really now we've moved to a phase where churches are viewed with suspicion and distrust, where the government looks at churches frequently as somebody that is uh, attempting to you know impose our values on everybody else and. Therefore, we need to just shuttle you to the side. I mean, we've seen this in all kinds of contexts with churches being told, well, you can't have zoning approval to locate in the city because you'll take away from the tax base, but you can't have zoning approval to be in the rural areas because you'll change the character of the neighborhood, but you can't be in the residential areas because you produce noise and traffic. And so, you know, churches are kind of pushed to the fringes. And, you know, this really, I think, is another example of this where Trinity Lutheran did everything that was right. They they scored high enough on neutral criteria that didn't have anything to do with religion, but yet the sole reason they were denied was simply because they're a church. You know, if the playground that was at issue was run by a secular entity, then they would have received the grant. There's no question about that. And that's the type of discrimination and and really the disadvantaging of people of faith that we've got to fight against. And, and I think we have a real chance to do that here with the Supreme Court opinion. Eric Stanley, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom attorney. And Eric, what what's our uh, timeline now, now that the Supreme Court has made this announcement? Uh, when do you expect to uh, start moving forward with this? Well, our initial brief is going to be due by the end of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there will be a round of briefing with the court. Um, it's still up in the air about when this will be argued and decided. The court still has a, a couple of cases to fit into its docket uh, before it ends by the end of June. So it's possible that this could be argued at the end of April. Mm. Uh, but it's also possible that they might fill it with some other questions and that this would be argued when the court comes back at, at its new term next October. Um, I, I'm tending to think it may be October just because especially with the Supreme Court today agreeing to hear a challenge to the Obama administration's executive actions on immigration and, and a lot of the, the executive orders that President that's, Obama has issued on immigration. take up a lot of time. Um, you know, then that may, that may be decided first, but we'll yeah. wait and see. We, we should know in a couple of weeks. Eric, uh, real quickly, 30 seconds. Tell people how they can uh, stay informed and how they can support you guys over at ADF. 
Yeah, very easy. Go to our website at adflegal.org. Um, adflegal.org will have updates about the case and where it's going and all the uh, everything that happens there. And, it's, and uh, folks can give to ADF to help support the cause. Eric, we're praying for you. We're so thankful you guys are out there. Eric Stanley, Alliance Defending Freedom. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Great to be with you. Thank you for being with us today on this uh, truly beautiful Tuesday. I mean, the weather's just phenomenal. And uh, this is when we really, really try to get out and enjoy it, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the point. If you want to get a hold of anybody you heard on the program today, but you didn't write down their information, you can always send me an email on any topic on the radio station. Tom at faithtalk1360.com. Just Tom, T-O-M, at faithtalk1360.com. Hit me with your question. If it's about a program, a teaching, or anything like that, try to give me as much information as possible, you know, like, uh, you know, time of day and, and things of that nature. But I will run it down, and I'll get it to you. Let's close out with prayer, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for... Uh, allowing us to know you more, Lord, that we can uh, work in community uh, to serve you and to move people towards you, move people towards an understanding that you love us unconditionally. Lord, thank you for my wife, Mary. I ask that you bless her today, Lord, that you give her comfort. Lord, give her peace. And, And Lord, we ask that you would give her healing as well. That, uh, but, Lord, we ask that you guide our hands as we move through this next process. And just so thankful and grateful that you've put her in my life, and that we can grow together, and we can know you more deeply and fully. Lord, help me to be the best husband that I can be. Help me to be the leader in the household that you need me to be, that Mary needs me to be. In my heavenly name I pray, Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, we're working on tomorrow's show already, but for sure this Friday where you will find me as is at the Arizona Life Coalition March and Rally. Go online right now to register, to get information. It's a free event, but you can find out all you need to know at azliferally.org. That's azliferally.org. See you Friday.